darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love We stand in your love Shame no longer has a place. Shame no longer has a place to hide. And I am not a captive to the lies. I'm not afraid to leave my past behind. I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love oh we stand in your love sing there's power there's power that can break off every chain There's power that can empty out a grave There's power, power that can save There's power in your name There's power in your name There's power, there's power that can break off every chain there's power that can empty out a grave There's resurrection power that can save There's power in your name There's power in your name My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I Break off every chain. 
Oh, there's power that can empty out a grave. There's resurrection power that can save. There's power in your name. That same power lives in us. There's power. There's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's resurrection power that can save. There's power in your name. Power in your name. And our fear doesn't stand a chance when we stand in your love. Our fear doesn't stand a chance when we stand in your love our fear doesn't stand a chance when we stand in your love we stand in your love we stand together we stand in your love We stand together. All praise to the Lord Most High. All praise to the one who saved my life. All praise to Jesus Christ, High King of Heaven. My King forever. Sing all praise. All praise to the Lord Most High. All praise to the saved my life all praise to jesus christ high king of heaven my king forever all praise all praise to the lord most high all praise one who saved my life all praise to jesus christ high king of heaven my king forever For you, I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down. My whole life now is for you. Yes, I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down. My whole life down before you. I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down. My whole life.
for you I lift my hands up lay my whole life down my whole life now is for you yes I lift my hands up lay my whole life down my whole life down before you I lift my hands up God, we surrender to you this morning, and we thank you for that resurrection power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask that you would move in power today. God, whatever you want to do, we ask that you would do it. God, we say we're ready, and we're listening. So we wait on you today and ask that you would speak your truth, show your truth. God, help us to respond in obedience, respond in worship. God, it's an honor to serve you. You've done so much for us. God, help us to give our lives back to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. All right. Good morning, church. Great to see you all this beautiful morning. Got a few announcements for you uh, as we get going here. Um, first thing I want to mention, we've got our monthly prayer night here at the church tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, next door in the coffee shop. Everyone is welcome to join us for that. If you just want to come and pray with us or be prayed for, or if you've got stuff you're struggling with or that you need prayer for, please feel free to join us uh, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Uh, we've also got our normal women's and men's Bible studies coming up next Saturday, 9 o'clock for the women in the coffee shop, 10 o'clock for the men downstairs in the basement. And then just a reminder, this is something we haven't talked about probably for a couple months, um, but we have a subscription to Right Now Media here at the church. It's an unlimited subscription, and there is a QR code up there. Jeff, if we could just leave that up for a few minutes while we do the greeting and such. If you want to grab that QR code, you can have access to the full library of Right Now Media, which is over 20,000 videos. Just an amazing array of videos on Bible studies and kids' videos and just, just really good, wholesome, high-quality stuff. So we encourage you to grab that, um, that, that QR code, get that subscription, and start checking it out. There's a lot of topical videos. There's just a lot. So a lot of life groups will use these for their studies. Um, so it's just a really good opportunity to get some good information. And then lastly, I want to mention... Um, our Breeze church management software. We use a software called Breeze, and we basically use that to keep track of everyone. It's kind of our online directory. And so in the lobby after the service, Amy Stennis will be out there, Amy and Darren will be out there, um, basically getting people into the system. You can provide as much information 
or as little information as you want. You don't have to give us your whole biography and life story. But some basic contact information is really helpful just to be part of that directory and part of that community. So if you're not in Breeze or if maybe you're not sure if you're in Breeze or if you're brand new and you know you're not, definitely stop at the table in the lobby on the way out and um, get yourself into Breeze and then you'll have access so that you can kind of see other people. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. We've got a lot of new faces and it's always nice to be able to just look up and say, I know I met them a couple weeks ago, but I can't remember their names. You look it up find their pictures, and then you can um, remember some names. So make sure you do that on the way out. Um, we're going to go ahead and dismiss kids right now. So youth group is meeting next door. And kids, <coughs> you are dismissed for Sunday school. If you're visiting today and you've got kids and you want them to go to Sunday school, take them out to the lobby. We'll get them set up in the right place. And for the next few minutes, just go ahead and stand up and greet someone around you.
going to ask you all to grab a seat. Good morning. We are going to continue our series in the book of Romans, chapter 7, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, many years ago, I had a, a chance to lead a team to Ecuador. It was actually a, a region where there was really a lot of uh, witchcraft, demonic stuff going on. But I heard there was this small group of believers, new believers, who were really excited about Jesus. Uh, God, they were just stepping out in faith. All these great things were happening in their lives. So it's pretty excited when we got down there. I had the privilege for that week to teach on living in the fullness of God's grace. And that was exciting, uh, just to see their joy. I really believe they were committed to Jesus and submission to him, living their lives, really married to the Lord in their relationship. Two years later, I, I went back to teach again and this time, everything had changed. Suddenly, these people were uh, practicing Judaism and actually practicing the law. And, and the craziest thing is it just completely changed the disposition. It, it literally was so discouraging. Suddenly, instead of this joy, there's this mourning going on. And instead of the excitement, it's almost trying to earn their salvation. They committed themselves really to living in the flesh to the, some rules that they had found and lost really what God was doing in their lives, trying to earn God's favor on their own terms. That's a scary place to be. And we start to think it's about us and our lives instead of him living in us and through us. Big difference. I think our passage we're going to speak about today, Paul's warning the church of Rome to do a similar thing. Reminding them, they, they started with grace. Why would you go back? Why would you go back to your old life? Why would you start to do things on your own? And if they would continue to live, because remember, sin had no, doesn't have domain over our lives anymore. If they'd continue to live by the grace of God every day, God would have these plans and, and the power of the Holy Spirit to change, to really give them extraordinary lives, which I believe he has really for all of his children. You say, why extraordinary? Because once we invite Jesus into our lives, once we start to invite him into our decisions and how we live our lives, great things happen because now he's part of it. God's part of it. So really, we have a choice, beloved. We have choices how we're going to live our lives. So are we living and are we married to Jesus or are we just kind of doing our old thing and our old life becomes the priority? That will determine a lot how we live. So let me ask you to stand up, and we're going to read the Word of God together, and then I will pray over it, and then we will get into it. As my custom, I read the first couple words, and then you read the rest. Or we all start together. Or do...
Amen. You can have a seat. Let's ask God's blessing on his word today. Father God, we come to you just believing that you desire to speak into our lives. We believe the Holy Spirit is a true teacher, and we ask for him to speak, convict, challenge, encourage us to be the people we are called to be, that your word would come alive, not just this morning, but in our lives daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're just so grateful to be together, to fellowship, to worship, and we ask for your presence and your blessing on this time. Amen. Who are we married to? Our old life or to Jesus? Romans chapter 7. As we continue our, our study in Romans, let me remind you of the theme of the book. It's the righteousness of God and our need for that righteousness. And if you have your Bibles, you're going to turn to Romans chapter 3, your Bible apps, and let me give you what's spoken, verse 21 and following says this, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, for there's no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. That, that word justification is a legal term. And it really comes from the Greek word righteous, to declare righteous. It, it, to, the idea is the verdict includes the pardon from the guilt of sin. And that the righteousness of Christ is given to us, imputed to us. So now we are right with God. Go to chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, again, that word justification here, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. Again, once we're justified, we begin to live in this grace of God. And we're to do that daily. Pastor Kevin said it well last week. We as believers have a new reality. We're free from sin. It's no longer our master. Yet, the one you obey is significant. Everyone is offering themselves as a slave to someone each day, to ourselves or to the Lord. We really make choices. By how we live, we'll either direct people to Jesus or away from him. By how we live and who we're married to, to the world's ways in our old life, which is so interesting to me that people would want to go back. But that's just the tendency of us. We want to do our own thing. Or, or are we just married to Christ and trusting him for everything in our lives that's good? Leads to our first point on your outlines to be following along. The law, the law no longer has jurisdiction over the lives of believers. Chapter 7, verses 1 through 3 says, Or do you not know, brethren, that for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives? For the married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he is living, but if her husband dies, she's released from the law concerning the husband. So then, if while her husband is living, she's joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. It, it almost 
sense that Paul wants us to be a little confused here. Because he's not speaking about marriage here. This is an analogy of the law. He's basically saying if you, you want to live by the law, you're going to die by the law. That, that's, and B. Wright, in his commentary, Warren Wiersbe, shares these comments about this section. He says, something in human nature makes us want to go to the extremes a weakness from the Christians are, are not wholly free from. Since we are saved by grace, some argue, we are free to live as we please, which is the extreme of license. But we can ignore God's law. We cannot ignore God's law, others say. We're saved by grace, but to be sure, we must live under the law to please God. This is the extreme expression of legalism. Paul answered the first group in Romans 6, and the second group he answers in Romans 7. The word law is used 23 times in this chapter. In chapter 6, Paul told us how to stop doing bad things. In Romans 7, he tells us how not to do good things. You are not justified by keeping the law, he argued, and you cannot be sanctified by keeping the law. Again, if we want to live by it, we're going to die by it. James chapter 2 Verses 9 through 11 say, but if you show partiality, you're committing a sin and you're convicted by the law as violators. Forever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles at one point, he's become guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a violator of the law. He's just trying to lay it out and say, if you want to live by it, you're going to die by it. See, in our passage... These verses are not speaking about marriage, but are rather an analogy of the law. From verse 1 in chapter 7 to verse 4 in chapter 8, the law is used 27 times to help believers, especially Jewish ones, and what it means to no longer be under the law, but to live under grace every day. Just paragraphs earlier in, in the letter, look at chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. It says, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so that we too might walk in this newness of life. I love that term, the newness of life. Because everything's new. Everything changes. For we've become united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be a slave to sin. For he who died is freed from sin. In fact, that word in the Greek means acquitted. That we're freed. We're acquitted. Here the, here the word means we're declared not guilty of the crime. We will no longer be judged or punished in the next life for the sins of this life. What an encouragement that is. <laughs> But if you go on, verse 12 in chapter 6, he says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body as sin, as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of the righteousness of God. For sin shall not be the master over you. You are not under the law. What? You're under grace. We live that way. We really have an opportunity to really see God's love, especially in the midst of the struggle. 
I was talking to Malia, oh, I was actually talking to Katie earlier, I was saying it was Thursday was just a really weird day for me. I, I just feel like I just checked out on life. Just had this crappy attitude, ate junk food all day. <laughs> just, just felt like I just made one bad decision after another. And then I went to worship that night and I was so blessed. <laughs> I felt like Lord saying, you know what? I love you just the way you are, Gus, even all the mess. And that's what he's really trying to communicate here is that it's in the mess that God expresses his love and his concern for us, and even the invitation to be used by him with all that. Why would we want to live the whole life? There's a key word used by Paul here to transition to his next thought. It's in verse 4. It says, therefore, and he says, if you understand what I'm saying, that the law has no longer jurisdiction over your lives, then be married to Christ. Listen to verse 4. It says, Therefore, my brethren, you also are made to die to the law through the body of Christ, that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we might bear fruit for God. It's interesting, as, as he presents this, he's, he's really trying to say, then, if you're living by grace, then live differently. Don't go through the motions. Don't try to make this thing work on your own. Live differently. You've got the grace of God. You've got the, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Live differently. James chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, says, So speak and so act as those who are judged by the law of liberty, of freedom. For judgment will be merciless, the one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. He's going, but if you really get it, he said, you know what? Live differently. That's a choice. Because it matters how we live. It really does. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 25. It says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord, not for people. Knowing that it is from the Lord you receive your reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord whom you serve, for the one who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. It matters how we live daily. It so matters how we live, the choices we make. And I, I honestly believe what, he, what he's trying to say to us is much more than that. It's an opportunity to really make a difference for the kingdom, to reign with the Lord. If you turn back to chapter 5, verse 17, really, there's a, a word that's used a number of times, actually that word reign. And here's what it says, For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace. It's called, okay, for those who have believed, those who have this abundance of grace available to us, and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus Christ. That's amazing. In fact, I, I looked that up, and the Greek paraphrase on that is really interesting how he writes this. It says, this, is, this is the paraphrase of that verse. It's for, in view of the fact that by means of the transgression of the one, death reigned as king, through that one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and life will reign as kings, as kings through the one, Jesus Christ. 
Our day-to-day lives can have profound impact. Why? Because he's involved. That's what makes it profound. It goes from ordinary to extraordinary. Because I'm so convinced that as we put faith in God, I mean, faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God, right? So we act upon what God reveals to us about himself, right? And we say, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to act upon that. Guess what? He becomes part of it, and that's what changes everything. An act of obedience. We are talking about that in our elders meeting the other day. It might seem simple at the time, but later you look back and go, wow, that moment changed things. It, it did something that only God knew would be accomplished later. Not only at the time, sometimes profoundly later. Because God's involved. That's all he knows how to do. Profound things. It's, it's God's desire to bear fruits in our lives. And sometimes that's during the most difficult times. Because there's this mindset in Christianity that once we know Christ and we start to believe, everything works out. Wow, where did you get that philosophy? That's sure not the theology of the Bible. In fact, it's in the midst of the struggles that we really have an opportunity to see God work in our lives. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to the Genesis chapter 37. I think this is a great picture of how the Lord works in us and through us. There's a young man named Joseph. Genesis 37, verses 1 through 5. Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had lived as a stranger in the land of Canaan. And these are the records of the generation of Jacob. Joseph, when he was 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock when his brothers, while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wife, and Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Probably not a good idea to do that. He brings back a bad report. Now Israel, and that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his other sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a multicolored tunic. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, so they hated him. It could not even speak to him on friendly terms. Then Joseph had a dream. And we told his brother, he even hated him even more. This is not a good scenario at this point. So the brothers decide they're going to kill him. And only by the grace or kindness of one of the brothers named Reuben is his life even saved. And he's sold into slavery, thinking they'd never see him again. They just got rid of the problem. That's kind of where we pick it up and. In, in chapter 39. So here he's, he, he's in slavery. And listen to how he responds. Maybe better how God works in his life in the midst of this difficult time. Genesis 39, 1 through 4. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. So he became a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him. I love that. The, he, he could see that the Lord was with him. How he was living his life. And that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all he had owned. Suddenly this guy's like, wow, God's with you. Man, I'm going to trust you more than I normally trust you. You think, wow, that's a pretty good story, isn't it? It's not because Potiphar's wife decides she wants to seduce Joseph. He runs from her. She tells her husband, basically, that he tried to rape her, and now he gets thrown into prison. It's the results of a good life, favored life. So what happens then? Genesis chapter 39, verse 20 through 23. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. 
and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the warden of this prison. And the warden of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in that prison so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The warden of the prison did not supervise anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And the Lord made him, whatever he did, to prosper. Isn't that amazing? In fact, if you get to the real part of the story, it's amazing is he becomes second to the Pharaoh of, of Egypt. And he ends up saving those brothers and his family from dying. God uses him to extend grace to people who treated him terribly. See, I, I really believe this. If we're like, if we trust like Joseph trusts, God's favor will be written on our lives. I believe that. And people will know we're different by the grace of God because he's the one that changes things. He's the one that does it. There's one last principle Paul presents in our passage. It really builds on the other two. The opportunities to live in the newness of the Spirit. The opportunities to live in the newness of the Spirit. Before he goes into that, he kind of puts the contrast. He wants us to understand where we've come from again and what were the results of the Verse 5, he says, For while you were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. I mean, that, that's what that accomplished. So, why, again, why would we want to live there? See, I, I think that's one of the reasons why legalism is, is part of our society, and Christian society, because somewhere in legalism is this belief that I can be holy and please God by obeying laws. It measures the spirituality by a list of do's and don'ts. The problem is those people see the sins, the plural, but they don't see the trouble of the sins within themselves. It judges the outward, not the inward. And it just kind of leads to a really tricky lifestyle. And I would say a kind of a guilt-ridden lifestyle. His book, Transforming Grace, Jerry Bridges writes, he says, we have loaded down the gospel of grace in Christ with a lot of oughts. I ought to do this, and I ought to do that. I ought to be more committed, more disciplined, more obedient. When we think this way and teach this way, we are substituting duty and obligation for a loving response to God's grace. We're living by guilt, not by gratitude. It's God's desire. As we live our lives, it's just out of thankfulness for everything he is and has done and continues to do. See, people in control of their lives often live in guilt rather than in freedom. They're, they're really married to their own life. They're in control. That's where people want to be too often. See, the new life is allowing the Holy Spirit to be in control by daily submission, by daily crying out, by daily knowing our need. Obviously, there are a lot of misunderstandings about God and the Holy Spirit. So let me just share some of the basic, profound truths about God, the Holy Spirit, and his role in our lives. And, and if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to John chapter 14. And I felt like I've been in this section for the last couple of months just thinking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14, verse 16 says this, And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper 
that he may be with you forever. It's interesting that word another is basically saying of the same essence. Jesus is saying he's the same as I am. He's God. But he's going to be with you forever. What an amazing promise. It's not just as he give us the helper. He says, hey, he'll be with you forever. Verse 17, that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Again, the spirit of truth is with us to encourage us, convict us. Verse 26, chapter 14. But the helper, I just love that term, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now this is a first application to the disciples, but it has an application to us. Because only God knows the future. He said, you know what? Not only can I help you with these day-to-day things, but I know what's in the future. So when you make a decision today, it's going to have influence in the, in the future. I will help you to get to my will. Only God could do that. Chapter 15, verse 26, when the helper comes, that I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness of me. He'll be a witness of Jesus through the life, our lives. People want to know, what do we believe how we live. Why are we different? That's our chance to really give. Just to tell them what we know is true. John chapter 16, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. And again, just the future is in his hands also. And again, we're, we go through stuff in our life sometimes, and it, in the midst of it, it's just confusing, isn't it? Especially, especially at times when life feels so unfair. And it's so good to know we have this helper that just says, hey, listen, I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm going to struggle with you through this, but i got a bigger plan. things work out for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. See, the Holy Spirit is with us always to help, encourage, teach, reveal Jesus to the world. But we trust, we choose. We choose to trust him or trust ourselves. To do his things or our things. To marry to our old lives or to Jesus in our new lives in the Spirit. So how do we apply this today? Uh, the first thing I, I'd suggest to you is it's really important to repent. This is, and really repentance is to think differently. We need to think differently about Jesus as our Lord. Uh, Romans chapter 12 it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. Again, it's because of the mercies of God to present your bodies as living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect 
because of God's mercy, we have this new life, but we still live in a world, and it's easy to believe the lies. It's so easy to get caught up. I, I, I challenge you to ask God's forgiveness and to think more about Jesus, who he really is in your life. Uh, I was looking at the names of God, and, you know, one of them is Adonai, as the Lord. God is Adonai, Lord over all things. We already discovered the name Adonai acknowledges God's ownership of everything. Now we can further conclude that the acknowledgement of his lordship require we willingly and obediently serve him in everything we do. He goes on to say this, to call Jesus our Lord, we surrender ourselves to his ownership. And we commit ourselves to serve as he served. Say, so whom do you serve, Anna I or yourself? If I looked up your checkbook, what evidence would I find are your priorities? If God and Adonai is in your life, is Adonai in your giving? Is Adonai in your serving? Most people demonstrate confusion about ownership with these simple pronouns when they use everyday conversation. When asked to serve, they say, I don't have the time or my time is valuable. It's not your time, it's God's time. And our responsibility is to use it according to his desire. Do you understand that God alone is the owner? That you are chosen and empowered by him to be his steward. And here's a simple definition of stewardship. is the process of managing God's resources according to God's plan for God's glory. Keep things right. Just rethink how you're living. I, I, I don't know if we can ever stop reevaluating where we're at, guys, because it's so easy to just start moving away and doing our own thing. Second, though, by, by God's grace, live differently. We should be excited about opportunities that are available every day of our lives to make a difference in people's lives. Titus chapter 2 says this, for by the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly righteously in, in a godly manner in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people of his own possession. What? Eager, zealous for good deeds. You, you have to pray for opportunities to believe God wants to use you. You have to pray for it. Now, let me challenge you to just for this week, just I want you to pray just this prayer. Lord Jesus, each day, you've got to do this every day. Then we're going to bring a report next week. But, but pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, who can I encourage? Who can I help today? Who can I pray for? Who can I bless today? Just pray that prayer. And, and let me just tell you, and I really think the Spirit wants to speak in those moments. Just listen. I, 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 can, I can tell you often, I just write names down. I just start putting names that are just impressions in my heart, and I just go, God, is there something? Tell me what you want me to do. And some of those days just become so encouraging 
So I'm like, wow, God had a plan for this day. You got to do something about it. You can't just think about it. Great intentions have very little value unless they're acted upon. Beloved, a little kindness is never little. A little kindness is never little. Not in the hands of God. Final thought, trust God the Holy Spirit more in your daily life. Again, forgotten God. He writes these thoughts that I think are really powerful. He said, when people give their lives in exchange for a ticket out of hell, there's often no turning or change of direction, which is really the definition of repentance. If, if you want just a little Jesus to spiritualize your life, a little extra God to keep you out of hell, you're missing out on the fullness of life you were created for. Not only this, you don't need the Holy Spirit. You don't need the Holy Spirit if you really want to seek a semi-moral lifestyle and just kind of do your own thing. You can find people of all sorts in religions doing quite nicely without him. You only need the Holy Spirit's guidance and help if you truly want to follow the way of Jesus Christ. You only need him if you desire to obey everything he commanded you and to teach others the same. If you truly believe in a turned from the way of your old life and have joined into the way of his life, then desperately call out for your need of the Holy Spirit. Because we can't live without him if we really want to live. The great Spirit of God lives within his children to help us to live amazing lives for Jesus. But it's up to us to ask for his help and guidance every day. And I promise you, if you call out desperately, you will know God in a new way, in this newness of life. As we close, I want to just read a story out of uh, What's So Amazing About Grace. It's kind of one of those books I go, to, go back to all. Of a man who, who's a pretty ordinary guy that lived by God's grace in the midst of a horrific time and how God used his life because he trusted he believed. Since 1987, an IRA bomb went off in a small town west of Belfast. Amid a group of Protestants who were gathered to honor the war dead on Veterans Day. Eleven people died and 63 others were wounded. What made this act of terrorism stand out from so many others was the response of one of the wounded Gordon Wilson, a devout Methodist who had immigrated north from the Irish Republic to work as a draper. The bomb buried Wilson and his 20-year-old daughter under five feet of concrete and brick. Daddy, I love you very much, were the last words Marie spoke, grasping her father's hands as they waited for the rescuers. She suffered severe spinal and brain injuries and died a few hours later in the hospital. A newspaper later proclaimed, no one remembers what the politician had to say at that time. No one who heard Gordon Wilson will ever forget what he confessed. His grace towered over the miserable justification of the bombers. Speaking from his hospital bed, Wilson said, I've lost my daughter, but I bear no grudge. Bitter talk is not going to bring Marie Wilson back to life. I shall pray tonight and every night that God will forgive 
His daughter's last words, words of love, and Gordon Wilson determined to live his life on the plane of love. The world wept, said one report, as Wilson gave a similar interview on the BBC radio that week. After his release from the hospital, Gordon Wilson led a crusade for Pro Protestant Catholic reconciliation. Protestant extremists who had planned to avenge the bombing decided because of the publicity surrounding Wilson that such behavior would be politically foolish. Wilson wrote a book about his daughter, spoke out against violence, and constantly repeated the refrain, love is the bottom line. He met with the IRA and personally forgave them for what they had done and asked them to lay down their arms. I know you've lost loved ones, just like me, he told them. Surely enough is enough. Enough blood has been spilled. The Irish Republic ultimately made Wilson a member of its Senate. When he died in 1995, the Irish Republic, Northern Ireland, and all of Great Britain honored this ordinary Christian citizen who had gained fame for his uncommon spirit of grace and forgiveness. Oh, that's powerful, isn't it? Let's pray together. Father God, we just uh, are so grateful that you are a God of grace and forgiveness in our lives. Lord, I would just pray you would just help us, Holy Spirit, help us to, to care more for the struggles of others. Lord, help us to get our focus off of ourselves, the people who, are, who need Jesus, people who need food, need encouragement, people who need the good news. Lord, we, ju we just ask that you would do a work in our community. Lord, that we would touch so many more people for the gospel. Lord, by how we live. Lord, that we wouldn't give in to our old life with the tendencies or, or try to live by these laws or rules, but we would live out of gratitude for everything you've done on our behalf. Father, we need your help. We're desperate because, God, we know when we try to do it on our own, it just doesn't work. We love you. We're so grateful for you. Lord, we even want to tell you how much we love you by how we worship. So I just pray, God, you just hear our words of worship as we finish this service. Amen.
for what you've done for us. God, we want to live a life of gratitude. Walking in your grace, living by your grace. God, uh, not things that we ought to do, living a life that we are able to do and have the privilege of, of doing, God. Living a life of worship out of a gratitude, out of a thankful heart. And God, we're sorry for taking things into our own hands and trying to live a good life on our own and we're sorry for, God, forgetting the amazing grace that you've shown us. So, God, would you help us daily come to you? God, we, we want to be refreshed daily in your presence, understanding more of your grace, more of a reason to live a life of gratitude. So God, we commit ourselves to you. God, thank you for this morning. 
just pray that you would go with us this week. Help us to live by your grace and walk in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.